1: podcast
0: with Scuba. Welcome to the show. I'm Scuba. This is the Not A Diving podcast. We're a day late this week. Sorry about that. It's been a little bit of a hectic few days. We're in Ibiza for Hot Flush Twenty show on Sunday night at Pikes Hotel and it got a little bit messy, I have to confess. So despite the fact that it's Tuesday night, I am a little bit fragile, I have to say, today. So luckily I recorded the pod a week ago, so that's good, but I'm recording this intro now, as I said, Tuesday night. So, yeah, I'll keep this brief, I think, probably, as a result of that. This week on the show, we have Chloe Tevernan, who is a really interesting producer and DJ from France. She's released a collaborative album this year under the name High Season with Ben Shimi, and she's just been involved in quite a lot of the interesting stuff that's come out of France in the past couple of decades, really, including uh, some really interesting stuff around technology and music and the French club scene in Paris, particularly in Paris, and um, peripheral stuff to that. So just a really interesting person and someone who I wanted to talk to. And yeah, really happy to have her on the show today. Okay, just before we get started, you can support the show on Patreon. If you feel the need, patreon.com slash scuba official, there's two tiers there, the first of which is extremely cheap at four US dollars per month, and there's a slightly more expensive one, which gets you more stuff. So yeah, if you want to do that, we'd be extraordinarily grateful. So please do, please head over there and do it. If you don't want to, if you can't, you can't afford it, all good. Leave us a review or a rating wherever you listen to this podcast. So follow the Spotify playlist, there's a link in the show notes to that playlist, featuring much of the music we talk about on the show. And join us from the Discord, hotfushercallings.com slash Discord is the Discord server to discuss anything we discuss on the show, any suggestions, anything like that. So drop into the Discord and yeah, get involved in the conversation. Right, without further delay, here is Chloe Teverna. <laughs> Chloe Tevena, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. How are you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I am i am good too. We were just uh, we were just talking off mic. So I've been reading up all your previous interviews today, as I always do when I prepare for these episodes, even when it's people whose you know music I know really well. There's always stuff in old interviews that you don't know about. There's all sorts of stuff about your about the way you technically make music and your, you know, the approach to music generally. There isn't a huge amount about you as a person that I've found and this is particularly in English language interviews by the way because there's a lot in French that I was wasn't able to uh, to dig into but I just wanted to ask to, just to get started how you got into music in the first place I, I read that you studied as a lawyer initially is that right
1: <laughs> well I didn't go until uh, being a lawyer honestly but uh actually uh I I I discovered electronic music. I was at school before university and I started to to DJ when I was very young at a a time where electronic music was not as big as it is today, for sure, obviously. And then, I mean, I didn't plan really to become a DJ and a producer because they were not really examples I wanted to follow and see uh, and, and, and and. I didn't think I want, uh, I could become anyway like a musician or something like this. So probably like going at university, going into something more like kind of concrete with, uh, law, <laughs> university of law, uh, was probably more down to earth sometime. And I had also besides this, all my parties going on and I was DJing and, but I never planned really to become a, a DJ or something like this, you know, it just happened, you know. So I actually, years after years, even at university, it became more and more complicated to deal with both because it's a different approach, I would say. <laughs> but um, but at one point, it's it just like after like four years, I, I realized that, I mean, the more I was going into the years and you're more at university, you are going into something more like uh, precise and like very concrete and i i felt that i didn't i was i was not so much into lore even it's very still interesting because it's a it's the world we're living in so it's interesting i mean uh, anyway but i i I was also djing more and more and 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 uh, like started also to produce and had a lot of requests so i just just stopped university but i didn't think i would become then like officially DJ but I was DJing already and everything you know but it's just like I, I just stopped making university and it just continued music and I didn't have a a, a, a plan B you know what I mean
0: <laughs> Were you in Paris when you were studying
1: Yes exactly uh I I grew up in Paris my mom was English and my father's French so I like I was born and raised in Paris never moved from Paris and just because of my work I can travel everywhere and I have uh, friends in London and but actually I'm mainly based in Paris yes
0: okay and so you were prior to going to uni you were doing music what what was your initial start in music like were you um in fact I did read that you were a guitar player when you were a kid is that right
1: yeah, I, I started um, to play guitar when I was like kind of 14 or 15 because my, my father, he had a guitar and he was not like a very good player, but there's there was a guitar. And so I, I liked to play some music I was listening at, like the Beatles and I don't know, like Velvet Underground and this kind of music, you know, when you're a teenager and you want to reproduce this music. And then I discovered the four track mixer and I saw that you can, uh, yeah, this is how somehow it started. <laughs> try, try to, you know, add, add stems and add uh, textures and funny and silly stuff, you know, and, and, and actually when I s- discovered electronic music and then I, I tried to s- go deeper and des- understand how to make an electronic music track because I was already making music somehow. Um, I, I, just saw that it was like a four-track mixer, but like... I don't know hundreds tracks mixer somehow so for me it was more like a, a tool <laughs> so for me it was an extension of this 4 tracks mixer so this is I mean when I started to make music then for me it was just an extension of what I was already doing probably this is why one of the reasons why my first EP has like this there's one track with a guitar and very low fi and whatever you know and also electronic music probably it was the time of this in between time when I was more into acoustic sound and dealing with these electronic machines you know and trying to make stuff like this so yeah
0: yeah I remember the first time I got a hold of a four track it was just magical to me it really was and then figuring out how, how to bounce into you get more tracks it was just I remember just just being absolutely captivated by this piece of equipment was it was it a similar thing for you?
1: Yes definitely and I and probably because uh, it it was a way of going like for uh, not so much money to get you know having a four track mixer was definitely cheaper than having like gears and machines and everything and just like having a for example so a guitar and not a piano I mean socially you know it doesn't mean the same thing I remember I had friends at school who who were like taking piano lessons and everything and we didn't have the money to go into this so probably having a guitar was this kind of uh, personal thing that i could uh, learn alone uh and uh maybe more like accessible like easier somehow yeah
0: yeah and i think um I mean, the guitar, it's kind of lost a little bit of cultural significance, I think, in in latter years. But I mean, it really was, the electric guitar is such a symbol of popular music in the you know, late 20th century, or I guess mid to late 20th century. It really was something which was totally aspirational. I mean, I, that was really what drew me into like wanting to do music seriously, really, was the ability to play the guitar. I mean, I, I'd, I actually was one of those kids who had piano lessons as well. Previous to that, I was like <laughs> one of those annoying children who was, uh, yeah, had kind of music thrust upon me from an early age. But that stuff, just it just didn't make sense to me at all. And, and as soon as I picked up a guitar and was able to, I guess, mess around on it in a way that I was never really able to on the piano, it just the whole thing just made a lot more sense. Right. And it made a lot more sense culturally as well, you know.
1: Totally. I guess that having—I mean—I wish I could have piano lessons because I guess that you learned then the basis, basic of uh, uh, music in general. You know, this uh, basic thing that is very uh, important after when you like start to compose music and everything. So I guess uh, it's a very good background and helpful for the for after.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, it (laughs) is—it's difficult. It's really difficult. Like for thirty-five years later, anyway when were you first exposed to electronic music? Like what was your first, what was your first memory of hearing like a house track or whatever?
1: Uh, probably I got, uh, I had, um, I had a cassette from a friend and this cassette was like, it was written on it like just house music and there was just a smiley on it. And, uh, because at that time we were listening to cassettes and, uh, not CDs. And I mean, CDs were like starting, but there were some cassettes. And, uh, I, I think this is the first time I heard like electronic music. And, uh, then, um, I was very like, um, I was really into it because I liked this really... At that time, it was somehow kind of very very radical somehow because it was very minimalistic and just with acid sound and just like, uh, I don't know, TR-707 or TR-808 or all these uh, gears like that was sounding very rough. And I really liked it. I, I kind of liked this... Somehow there was some punked uh, attitude inside it that I really liked. And, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I was listening a lot to this cassette I remember. And then I remember I went to, uh, with a friend to, uh, to a club in Paris. I'm very like a, a club. Uh, I was really a club, uh, uh, more, more like going into clubs than in raves, but because I'm a Parisian, I mean, and of course as a Parisian, I would go also into, into some raves, but I was splitting both, you know, and mainly in clubs because it was easier because clubs was in the city and so and so, every weekend, I was going in clubs and
0: so what what year are we in here roughly
1: oh probably it was like uh i don 't know ninety four something like that probably i mean and i i don't I, I maybe it's a year before or or two years before i'm not sure exactly uh but Actually, so I went into some clubs and actually, as I wanted this music in my life, you know, and there was this, not this moment where, okay, there was some cassettes and the only way to get the music, uh, this electronic music was just to have, uh, to go in some uh, record shops and buy vinyls. This was the only way to have it. You know, there was, as you know, they were not like, Clubs, so much clubs, and it was very underground. I mean, I remember all my friends; they were just like, "What are you doing on your weekends?" Like, we don't understand. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, for me, it was a way of, um, yeah, having this music in my life and having it during the day. So, I, probably as I was already playing guitar, it was I, I started to play my vinyls, going to some friends and. When we were going to some parties, you know, we kind of all know each other, and it was a very small uh, group of person going all the time in the same night, so I kind of knew all the people that were going there, and, and a lot of people that were into electronic music, so... I was going with my, all my records and making more and more parties also, you know, somehow. Oh, you have this, uh, you have this, uh, music, this vinyl, just come and play for us. And I was like, yeah, cool. But without thinking about any plans or whatever, just, I just wanted to share my music, the music I found during the week in the, in the stores I was going on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned raves and, and clubs, sort of just you know distinguishing those two things, guys. So can you just give me a try and give me an idea of what Paris was like? I mean, I'm one of the things we've done on the show going back quite a long way now is tried to sketch out pictures of different scenes at different times, and you know, early to mid '90s is something that's come up loads of times across different places and paris is not somewhere i've ever heard really described in this period apart from actually i have to say dj bone talking about coming to play at rex around this kind of a time maybe it was a bit later actually maybe it was like 96 97 kind of a time but can you tell me what it was like in paris and in terms of like what kind of music was big what were the key venues i'm guessing rex was a key venue but like yeah tell me a little bit more about it like kind of more generally
1: yeah i mean i in the, in the nineties, I mean, there was, what was big was the raves parties going, uh, outside of the city, definitely, so. That was a big thing. So it was not like one club. It was just like you had to call the numbers on the radio and ask for the, I mean, typical like rave parties. and
0: Right, the, the classic.
1: Classic, yeah. exactly. Classic in the, at that time around the 90s. Uh, probably uh, for like the club scene, the club scene was mainly gay uh, and there was also Rex Club, which was not gay. But I mean, there was this techno scene in Rex Club. I'm saying really like techno because this was... The identity of this club, and uh, I guess they were inviting more like um, American DJ DJs, and mainly this was the, the main sound. And also, uh, beside this, there was also the music uh, in some clubs and maybe in the smaller clubs, but there were like. I don't know. There was like Queen, which was on the Champs Elysees. Uh, there was a uh, uh, Folies Pigalle in uh, Pigalle. At that time, uh, the club was like uh, super cool. There were also all these parties organized by the Guettas, uh, David Guetta and Katy uh, Guetta, who were beco- before he became before he became a DJ and so big. They were known in the in the night scene as uh, the Guettas, You know, the Gita were like the couple making the cool parties in Paris. I actually, you know, and doing, uh, yes, and after David Guetta became an entity, but that that was years later, you know, so there was these parties going on, and then after after this, there was, uh, oh, I mean, this was the first impulse, I would say, and then uh, after this, there was, and it was like kind of uh, very mixed in genders, and people were more disguised and everything, probably like in London at that time, because I remember I was going to, party often also in london because my mom was english so i used to go also sometime in london you know and i i, I liked this uh uh and, and and i liked also to go in in london and i remember get, getting going in some record shops and coming back with some records in paris and i was so excited about this you know and uh <laughs> and uh so yes uh there was um I was all the time going in uh, I mean I was I was all the time uh, going in some parties and more and more playing in some uh uh bars uh, at that time uh, there was uh, the bars like just bars you know like uh, local bars like in le marais le marais who used to be like this area that was mainly gay uh may uh, gay area nowadays it's uh more trendy whatever it's, but it's definitely a bit gay but not really like it's open to I mean anyway uh, I mean all, a lot of big brands now have their shops here and everything you know but I mean I'm talking about the 90s so of course it has changed a lot but yeah there was a, a big thing going on and there was also at Queen these parties like uh, many parties going on and there was uh, also uh, a bit after there was uh, also these parties uh, about uh, called Respect uh, in paris on wednesdays and it was uh all this uh what we called a bit later the french touch but that was a little bit after you know
0: uh, okay yeah uh
1: so it was uh yes like the sound was uh, a little bit different also here like uh but it was also fun so you know it was uh like a lot of different D- different
0: in what way different in what way
1: but uh because the 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 part is that uh respect um uh, what we call like the, the french touch uh somehow uh the the music was um for me a little bit less on the ground but it was also very good and it was also the beginning of the daft punk i remember i used to play a lot the first eps of the daft punk like for example there was this those music that probably you might know, like for example, uh, in uh, uh, on Soma records, uh, before they released their EPs and then albums, like they're like amazing tracks uh, that they released at the, the very big, uh, beginning. But yes, French Church for me was more like uh, something that was more like a filtered house, which I, ki- I kind of liked. But as I really also discovered this acid house music I was I liked I preferred to be in, into this in-between style like uh I I I, I didn't like so much techno I like some techno tracks but I didn't like it so I I kind of pick of um I pick a bit of acid house techno and french touch somehow and this is what I liked you know this all this in-between styles so Uh, could find it in uh, some uh, yeah, in the clubs in general I guess. Mm. And there was also Laurent Garnier doing his nights at the Rex Club. I was was not going there so much, but I remember the Thursdays were like big nights of Laurent Garnier playing at uh, Rex Club too, you know. And there was also of course, this uh, mythic pub, mythic mythic, uh, clubs in uh, Paris that was called Le Palace. Uh, that maybe you know but le palace was like really uh uh in uh, on the like on the night side was the place to be and so cool and then there was after I was over there it was fun
0: right okay how did you learn to dj because there's one thing having records but actually being able to play them is something else a little bit so how did you yeah how did you acquire those skills
1: um well actually that i met a lot of people at that time that were like really uh, people into electronic music so uh, all the people i knew in the clubs were all were music lovers and also a lot of them were djs already because like me they liked the they liked electronic music so they had to buy some vinyls you know so i used to then buy some records and go to some friends place and learn like this you know like you just want to hear the music during the day and from one day to another you know you just try and just play it with another one and then you see how it goes so i used to to go to some friend place and to uh yeah, to listen to our music and to just to try to play play them and just, you know, it was just like the first idea was mainly to make discover the music we discovered during the week and the music we discovered in the shops where we find the music, you know,
0: sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a very different culture to how things are now. I mean, obviously, there's been a fair bit of, well, there's been a little bit too much moaning. actually. Very different. Yeah, it's very easy to kind of be overly nostalgic about this period. But equally, uh, there's a reason why it's easy to be nostalgic about it. So, I mean, when was your first um when was your first what you would consider to be like a big dj gig like what's the one that jumps out in your mind Is like i think most people have a first one where they think well this is okay I'm, I'm doing this properly now
1: do you remember your first
0: gigs i absolutely do yeah 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 i mean I, i'm curious <laughs> I, i'll tell you about it for sure obviously there was you play at like house parties or whatever and that's that's something a little bit different but yeah the first time i played in a proper club was uh when i was in i was at university in bristol and there was a drum and bass night, which was kind of it wasn't like a student night, but it was kind of marketed it to the students as well as the kind of quite quite serious sort of drum and bass crowd in Bristol at the time. And for some reason, they decided to book me, and I, I was very confident as a DJ, like way too confident, like I was extreme. I just I expected just to walk up and, and, and smash the place up. And what I didn't realise. Was that you really need good headphones to DJ in a club on a, on a big sound system? And my headphones were not anywhere near cut out for the task, and I couldn't hear a thing in the booth, and it was a complete nightmare because of this. I couldn't hear anything that was going on, and the whole thing was just a. I think that's probably why I remember it so much. It was a deeply traumatic experience. So, so that was that was my one anyway. But like, do you have a, a similar? Um, well, I mean, is there one that stands out?
1: Well if if I, 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 as I, as I was saying there was first there was this party at friend's place and then we were going in some bars and uh yeah i'm uh, i have my father he's from south of france in a city called biarritz where uh, like the city of surf where the surf ha- appeared in uh, in europe and uh, actually I, rem- I, ca- I i think i kind of remember that probably one of the first club i played there was uh in this place. And I remember they, uh, they allowed, they knew I was DJing. So they were like, Oh, you know, we already have our D- DJ. We don't want to have any guests, but I know as you're coming all the time, it would be fun that you come. And I remember I, I started to see the mixer in front of me. I never saw a mixer like this. I don't know for one track, there were like three buttons to, uh, you know, to press at the same time. I never saw this mixer even after. And I thought that was really bad DJ I mean it was fine you know but I, I think I was like really embarrassed and so stressed about this first gig like going with all these buttons and everything Where well, I, ne- I never saw this uh, mixer anymore in my life after so I realized that it was not just me you know it was really like the technical side yeah definitely the technical side that then become more and more like uh, something very important to deal with but uh, yes
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> And then what about putting on parties because you mentioned that you uh you were doing that too from before uh you went to uni is that right
1: I mean I'm got I, I I was going into some parties and uh, like more like kind of private parties with friends you know in some uh, in some uh, uh flats or like uh, different places but uh not like official uh like uh parties you know
0: and okay, so what about writing music? What about making music and producing? At what point did that become something that you realised you wanted to do?
1: Well, actually, since the beginning, uh, because uh, I discovered to make, um, I, I did uh, when I discovered like electronic music, I, I immidi- immediately wanted to know how to produce some music. So I just saw how to make electronic music. I saw some other studios in some friends' place. They were they had like many gears and uh yeah i remember i didn't have any um computers, so i have a friend and uh, who gave me like um an atari uh, i don't know if you had this one but uh, this was very like the basic thing just the base for for the midi
0: <laughs> an atari st
1: yes like the very old school uh yeah
0: yeah yeah computer <laughs> like
1: uh, this is uh yes that's really a, one of the first uh, computer Uh, that appeared like in the last 70s and and uh, yes it's uh, like kind of a pioneer in the computer scene I would say (laughs) so yes um, and uh, then um, I remember like uh, I wanted to understand how to compose um, I mean I tried to make music first with some friends which was fun somehow but I realized that uh, I really needed more time to come. I really wanted to understand how to make music because I would understand that if I don't go through my own way, I would not go quicker, you know? So I, it took me a while to, uh, I, I, I start, when I started to make music, there was a lot of accidents somehow. Like for example, you were mentioning the headphone thing. Like for me, it was the same. Like I didn't have any money, for example, for, for an headphone. And then uh, for, the, like, um, I mean, a micro and microphone and I realized that with the headphone when you put inside the ins in uh, the sound card then it became a super nice accused uh, uh, thing with uh, d- making microphones so I remember my first EP which I did in 2001 I remember that uh, I record all the vocals with um, this uh, headphone just because for money reasons and it became like a fun and good way of equalization and compression and whatever probably I'm I, I don't know if i would do this anymore but somehow it can be a tip you know know, for (laughs) people who doesn't have any money or just forget the microphone somewhere and just want to compose with uh, and make music anyway um yeah so yeah i I just for me electronic music was mainly a way of making music and being independent this was my main goal you know i discovered just a place where i could be really like Uh, independent and not going through someone to make something, you know, I was really fed up with going through some people doing things, you know, and I I felt that electronic music was something more like DIY that I wanted to experiment. So it took a lot of time to, Mm to, understand a lot of uh, little tricks and things especially because of course uh, as as we all know nowadays there are beautiful tutorials on the youtube of people giving their time and everything but at that time there was definitely no youtube and anything so i had to deal with all this tutorial on the yeah with uh, on papers or going in, into some uh, shops and asking questions and in general some people would say like, oh, do you want something for your boyfriend? You know, <laughs> that that was kind of, <laughs> I was like, no way. <laughs> and I was more shy and everything, you know, so definitely I changed today, but I was like a teenage somehow, you know, so it was more difficult for me to assume that I was going into something that was probably not uh, so spread at that time, being like a woman and making electronic music, but probably uh, this is how it shaped my uh, way of uh, making music, and uh, how I then, after, managed my my life and my work.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, did you then gradually build up a, a studio at home? Is that how how it worked? You kind of gradually got accumulated more in bits of kit. Yeah. Okay. Then, talk about the most memorable bits of kit that you gradually acquired. Then, because again, I've got my own memories of this, but <laughs> if you can pick out a couple of turning points if there were any key turning points of, of kit that you got that changed your music and maybe increased your understanding of it
1: definitely i mean i remember when i got uh, for sure i started also with a sampler i mean you could not make any music electronic music if you didn't have any sampler of course you could have like a drum machine and everything but just to uh, sample samples the idea of sampling was like very very strong and so uh I was having a lot of fun trying to sample things, but mainly things I was getting from uh, my uh from the outside not i mean i was sampling also some records but because i was coming from the acoustic side somehow and more with the guitar i, I, I like to sample like the guitars and uh s- more like uh, sound fields and everything and play it with some uh, uh electronic music and i i i mean really from the beginning i really liked uh, the, to to mix both somehow and uh what happened was that few years, a uh, few years after, maybe in 2004, like after three or four years, you know, I was putting a lot of money in in, in my geese and everything. Then actually, uh, I got robbed at my studio, <laughs> at my home. Yeah. So everything was, uh, I I didn't do any music for maybe 2 years uh, because uh, yeah I didn't because I, the, it was taking a lot of money you know to have some gears as as you know so uh, and this yeah. was so the,
0: when, when was this when did this happen which 2 years were they
1: probably in 2003 or
0: Oh, okay. So after you started releasing music, right? Very,
1: very, very, very short time after, you know, but I think everything was so complicated with this, you know, I, I mean, I put, I was putting a lot of energy and money In my studio, I mean, what I'm—I mean, I didn't have so much money, of course, and 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 whenever I got more and more bookings and everything, then I I was I could buy my uh, my my sanitizer or something like this, you know. So, definitely, I had to change the way of working because of because it was a time when the computer started to be more like. uh, the processor was more like uh, strong. So after two years, I just bought like a computer with a better processor and I discovered more the uh, the plugs and the, the, di- the digital uh, world somehow. So it was a very different approach. So it was another way of working but I kind of liked. But somehow I needed to uh, very quickly try to use the uh, digital, uh, world somehow with the more like, uh, uh, hardware thing, you know. So, uh, so I had to change my way of working suddenly, you know, because of, uh, all this, uh, story I just told you. So it, for sure it changed uh, my approach into music, but I, because I didn't do music for, maybe a year and a half and I was very frustrated with this and uh, actually uh, probably I worked more to understand how to make work things together you know and probably this is uh, one one reason why I'm uh, like I like to go deeper in some uh, uh geeking somehow like where as you dig when you play music you know that that for me it was like digging in my way to uh, yeah to compensate this lack of uh, more, this lack of time i had uh, while i was not making any music so yes
0: yeah i found um my move cuz i had a similar sort of thing like at some stage i had to move to a proper computer, quote unquote, you know, one which was able to run plugins. Having been in a similar kind of a setup by by the sound of things, having a really basic basic computer which was just there to run the MIDI, basically, and and everything really ran through a sampler and an external desk. And when I moved to a, a, um, a more modern computer, should we say, I found it really difficult. I found it very very challenging to, I think, just get my head round. How to get the sounds that I wanted to get? Because I mean, I, sp- I think particularly with those earlier pl- the earlier plugins are very, uh, very digital sounding, very clean sounding, and the, it was much more difficult than I think to achieve um, the kind of, I guess, the kind of earthy sounds that you get from, you know, you or you get from, you know, lots of cables, basically, and lots of um, questionable quality outboard. So, so I mean, how how did you find it? Was it was it immediately kind of obvious to you how it was going to translate into music or was there a period of you know adaption that was that was maybe a bit more challenging oh
1: no it's for sure it's like uh i mean when you when you make electronic music i think you have to accept that you have to 50 percent of your time i guess i mean probably some would say less uh is like a time uh, you you go th- where, where you go through like technical uh yeah problems or things you would like to but i would not say only it's problems it's sometimes you just need to uh, fix stuff and you want to make evolve your music because just like there's a setup that you use for a while and just it's good also to change the way of working because then it makes you uh, change also your approach and make it somehow also creative i know when i'm always in the same setup it's great for for a time but i'm also sometimes very excited when i have a new gear or a new thing so I, i mean somehow technique also gives me more inspiration also sometimes it's bad because i i can lose many time into like stupid things you know and i realize after a while that i didn't produce any music at all but probably it's uh this uh, moment where you decide okay now stop to try to find some uh, other reason not to make music just go into it and uh, yeah the idea is to find uh, it, i think it's a lot of uh, uh, th- there's a lot of work uh, on yourself to find th- this balance you know just uh, th- this is a big part of uh, i guess any electronic uh, produce electronic music producer to find the balance
0: yeah yeah absolutely going back to you know the period where you were, I guess teaching yourself and and building up the studio initially was there a point similar to the DJ question I suppose was there a point at which you became confident in your music I mean to what extent was that a kind of process too or were you confident from the start
1: well, actually, I, I I was never very confident, but sometimes I was very impressed. There was some sounds quality quality speaking that was very good, also. So it's it was a mixture of uh, very uh, it was very unbalanced. You know, there was some some sounds that were very like uh, lo-fi and everything, but I tried to uh, use it somehow in my production and pre- and pretend it was made on purpose, but sometimes it was not uh, made on purpose, you know. And right, right. <laughs> I remember, I think there on my first EP, there's one track when there's, where there's a frequency, like a radio frequency or something. I don't know where it happened, where, where it come from, but I remember when I was recording it, I was like, Oh no, I have to start again. And then I was, I thought like, okay, uh, it's, it, it's going to take me, uh, 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 like more, like an hour to try to fix it or to start again the recording. Let's, let's say it's cool to have it and this is the way to it. Like this kind of John Cage approach, you know. <laughs> but so I tried, uh, yeah. No, I so thought actually I always felt I needed to, uh, learn about how things can work to make mass uh, sound. I mean, technically, but also in the direction I was going. But I, as I was saying, there was not really one example I liked uh, where I thought, oh, I want to be this or this. I mean, I think I like so much styles of music. Uh, I, I, I like, like, uh, as I was saying, this kind of... Uh, this hasid house uh, music that where electronic music comes from, but I also like uh, a lot of music, uh, like uh, general music and classical music, uh, I love uh, Beatles and uh, George Michael and whatever you know it, this, this all this music because also my mom she used to uh, actually she used to listen to a lot of music too, and she used to be a disco jockey also like she was uh, living in London. She was living in London and she did a lot of jobs. And I remember when I started to DJ, she said, Oh, you know, I, I, I also did this. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing this. I was like, okay, <laughs> but I'm saying this because okay, because it's, it's, it's a time. I'm not sure we can say DJ, but anyway. So, but she was, this, this was mainly. Part one of the reason I, I I didn't know and she used to like to party a lot and everything and probably this is one of the reasons I became then a DJ I don't know <laughs> somehow it has something to do right <laughs> I don't know
0: yeah okay
1: and so yes
0: I mean that must have been even more unusual in that era
1: yes I guess yeah definitely but she was uh, she was uh, playing uh, some records in some uh, in some uh, clubs in London actually. And uh, she was playing some music and, uh no like DJing, I mean, and uh, yeah, because she liked to party a lot. And she was, uh, she, she knew a lot of people like in London when she was going out in the nightlife, I would say. So yes. And then somehow, uh, yeah. I, I mean, when I when I started to DJ, and uh, I and she used to like uh, when I was DJ, and she came sometimes to some parties. But then at one point, I didn't want my mother to be in the clubs, you know. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> right. Um, let me ask you about the Pulp Club, Le Pulp, um, which I'm probably mispronouncing as well. So that started in '97. That's is right, isn't it? And were you a resident there from the start? Or was it only later that you became resident?
1: Well, actually, first, it, it, the, the club was, uh, co- was mainly a discotheque, <laughs> more than a club. So it was a discotheque, and it was called L'Entracht. L'entract. Uh, and then it became Le Pulp. I mean, L'Entracht was uh, mainly like uh, clubs for girls. And uh, during the day, it was, a, uh, a, a, how would you say, a dancing for old people. right okay so i remember i used to come and get my flyers for the from for some evenings in the afternoon and i was there in in the afternoon sometime to get my flyer and i would see all these people old people dancing and i felt like it was like a lynch movie you know (laughs) so it was uh funny and interesting to see how one place can be very diverse and actually, at one point, uh, the, two, uh, uh, the two owners of the club, the two women, they wanted to open it to more like other artists, uh, girls artists. And I became um, like a DJ resident DJ there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was at a time where electronic music was not really inside the club. And uh, so we started it really like to spread electronic music from the very beginning. So I started to be a resident DJ in 97 until the end 2017. So I guess it's 10 years. So I really grew up with the Pulp, And uh, it was a very, uh, it's a, it was a place where I met a group of uh, women working together and supporting each other. And for me, it was this kind of uh, thing probably I was missing to have uh, this uh, woman uh, other making things, you know, and in the field I was uh, uh, evolving. And uh, yeah, it was a very big thing for me because I met a lot of good friends there and that are still friends today and, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, how much, um, what, what was your background as a DJ in particular when you started the residency like how much djing had you been, had you done at that point
1: well actually i was djing already and i was uh, as i was saying i was at university also at at the same time at that time so because it was uh, 97 so i was still uh, studying but i was also djing and uh, so for me it was uh, something new on top of everything i was already doing i was djing in some uh, in some bars i was djing in some uh, uh, I was starting to play in some clubs, but as I said, I didn't think really to make it like a job, like a real job, anyway. But it was like just the continuity of uh, the people I met, you know, and that I met these uh, these girls, uh, and I could see there was uh, like a group of girls all uh in the same place you know and it i think probably this is one of the important thing it was that there was a place missing for girls you know where like they, a place of expression so for me it was uh, I, it's for the first time i had someone asking me for a residency an official residency that means like being there like every month every i don't know every friday every thursday every you know what i mean so it started like this so i really started as a yeah for me it was really like a like a residency a real residency dj and for me this is somehow where like really built also my approach of uh, the culture dj culture of like when you start uh, Your set in the beginning of the part of the party is not the same t- thing as when you play in peak time. So I like this different approach, and it's very uh, inspiring. I've, even today, I think it's very interesting. I mean, whenever I have my part, I have still have my party at Rex Club. Sometimes I start to play until the guest is playing, and I also like a lot this moment where you can play different music, you know, besides like p- the peak time.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is something that we've talked a lot about on the show, actually, the concept of the warm-up set and the degree to which maybe it's become a slightly forgotten art in the last few years. Um, and, and actually, you know, it's, it's funny because I think DJs who've been around for a long time very often say quite a sim- similar things to what you've just said, because it's actually, it, it's not only fun, but it's, it's quite liberating, playing a warm-up set and it's it's a there's a real skill to it as a i'm absolutely um uh it's 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 not straightforward doing it doing it well doing it properly right and it's a kind of i think assumption uh i think if you're not if you don't quite understand what it is there is an assumption it's like well you just put on tunes that you don't you know that aren't big dance for tunes but there's a little bit more to it than that right
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I guess if I was playing like, if I was only playing tunes like all the time, every weekends, which is fun, you know, but at one point I would be fed up, I would do something else besides. Definitely, because... I mean, anyway in life, doing all the time the same thing can be sometimes a little bit tricky and sometimes uh, not really inspiring. So it's just the idea of trying to find, like, excitement somehow. So I guess with music, then it's fun to just find in some other tempos and other, um, other like... And it, it's just great also to build a set differently somehow also. And it's uh, challenging also, just just the, the idea of... Uh, try something different
0: so okay just to go back to the i mean the, i guess the cultural side of of le pop i mean you, you mentioned that this, this was something which was filling a gap right That there was there was a, a gay scene i guess but not somewhere for for girls to go right and a big part of the history of the, the kind of accepted history of dance music i guess is the um you know, the importance of of gay scenes around the world and gay clubs and their role in the development of of house and techno but i think most of the time those are you know guys gay clubs if you see what i mean is yeah is, yeah totally right mm. so is 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 that something um i mean you're talking about paris in particular but is that something which is which is lacking in scenes across the world in your opinion
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, Pulp was probably the only place uh, for girls. I mean, uh, probably this was uh, one of uh, the big excitement of this place. It was owned by girls. Uh, Only girls were working there and it was mainly girls night, but open to uh, to other people too. Uh, but people should remember it was. It has to be a safe place before we spoke about s- safe place, the concept of safe place. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, probably it was uh, this time where we, uh we were talking about all these uh technical terms we're talking about we talk about today we the we talk about uh queer, safe place and uh LGBTQI plus and everything and probably Pulp was um, the place for all these ideas. It was the real beginning of what was going to be what was what, what what it was going to be after. And especially nowadays. And still today, I, I, I think there are some, like for example, in France, we have a big night called Bar- Barbeturix, which is happening in one club called La Machine du mont Rouge And they make some parties. It was, it's for girls. But actually, besides this place and besides this party, which is the biggest uh, in France, there's no place for girls really. And uh, I think it's it would be great to have uh, one place or two places for girls to and uh yes some can be closed and can be more open i think it's good that it's uh like sometimes it's good also when it's mixed and sometimes it's good and because there are not so many places sometimes um there the girls clubs the 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 girls parties wants to be exclusive with girls because actually there's such a lake of um, parties going on that they want it to be like exclusive and they because usually they say like okay you we have uh, this this square meter just for girls but don't worry you have the rest of the planet for you so don't worry you know
0: <laughs> right, yeah, <okay. laughs> what do you put that lack of comparative lack of parties down to like why why is that the case uh,
1: probably it's probably it's uh political because uh there's uh, this question of uh, invisibilis- invisibilization and uh, this is uh, why it is important to talk about it and this is why it's important to spread uh the 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 word somehow you know but uh because and also because uh many places uh, are are how would you say are managed by men and it has to be changed somehow. I'm not saying that it should be women especially, but I mean, actually, there's a, a, very, a lack of a parity. So if there were, was more parity somehow, I think some... Um, male you, you oftenly historically think between male you know so it should be more diverse and out more open to uh, to to i mean i like when it's more diverse and i think electronic music comes from this diversity and this uh, uh freedom of speech and everything there are some basic political uh, basics that has, are important and uh, it should continue today. And uh, there's, uh, it's important to talk about it still today.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing I've often reflected upon is that I think in my experience, like the least diverse part of the music industry, the least diverse um a job that people do in the music industry is club promoter. I think every single club promoter I've ever played for has been a white guy. Like, like in history. I can't think of a single one that wasn't really. And actually, you know, I think the music industry changed quite a lot in the last twenty years, but that's an area I don't think has changed really much at all, right?
1: Yeah, completely. You're right. I mean, uh, of course, I'm the same. I mean, at the start of my experience club area, the scene was male dominated and it was very rare to meet other women, DJs or producers or even uh, promoters, you know. Uh, But there were some stereotypes about uh, being a a woman in the club scene. That's uh, mainly uh, the the problem. And there there were some uh, gender fee disparities also mainly. And I really experienced this from my real beginning because I had the same agents of other uh, uh, DJs, friends DJ who are guys, you know. So I, c- I can definitely tell you that we had this discussion with my bookers in the past. I mean, now it has changed, but you know. but uh, And probably this is one of the main reasons I, I had to... Uh, I really The more it was like this, and the more I felt this, I, probably this is one of the reasons I felt I needed to keep doing my thing my own way you know and I, and, and this is why I, this is what I like with electronic music it 's like a way of making the music of course it 's a style of music, but in the style of music, everyone has its own, its own singularity, uh, but it 's a way of not controlling. Uh, myself I don't want anyone to control myself and I want and if I had someone controlling myself uh, it would be definitely mainly a male and a woman, uh, not not so much woman and at Pulpa I found there was some women making things and it was not a question of control it was much, mostly a question of place uh, with a, a place of multiple expressions uh, a group of mo- women working to, together and working and supporting each other you know so at a time uh, where, like, uh, yeah, I was more like a teenage and much younger and didn't feel so much self-confidence with myself and everything. But so, yeah, definitely women were everywhere underrepresented. Uh, I'm sorry, underrepresented. Underrepresented, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and, and here I felt uh, it was more, like, kind of easy you know to think about uh, equality or think about like we could think about uh, this mostly
0: yeah absolutely i mean i my experience of like small scenes and you know developing music scenes has largely been around clubs that are small clubs which are you know attended by groups of very enthusiastic people though. but those people have tended to be like overwhelmingly male right and so the and the culture that sort of springs up around those things is often really positive musically but because it's dominated by men it's a kind of self-reinforcing thing right so i think in that kind of context you can kind of understand why um, it's difficult for, well, it explains to a certain extent why the whole thing is, certainly music making is so dominated because they're largely guys, uh, you know, learn from each other and it's, they're often quite insular groups of people, you know, and, and as I said, very, um, very dominated by just dudes. So I think having female only, or feel female dominated spaces must be significant in, you know, just getting more, girls and women interested in you know making music as well so to what extent was there a kind of musical culture i guess that emerged at le Pulp.
1: uh yeah you know so i was talking earlier about uh, french touch <laughs> and uh probably it was a time that we were were like uh, there was this uh sound that was uh, more like um, at the same time there was this sound that was coming more like uh from a uh, uh, minimal uh, music, more like uh, this in between techno and house music that I would call like minimal music and uh, uh, and uh, and later electro clash and everything. So I guess uh, it was kind of the anti French touch somehow. Uh, so it was less focused, I guess, on being a, um, an entity or a DJ like uh, with the um, lights on. Just because, like technically, uh, at the pulp, the um, technical side on the technical side, uh, like well, we can speak about the light, we can speak about the music, the 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 technically the all the gears to make uh, happen the party was very uh, <laughs> very. Um, uh, sensitive and it was uh, not very good, so uh, we had to deal with it. So there was no light to put on the on the DJs so much. I mean, there was light like a black strobe and everything, but there was not like so much things going on like in uh, some other parties. So somehow the music that was going on at the same time was going also with the mood of the what we could do in the in the clubs. And um, yes, so at the same time there was a uh, this. Uh, uh, all these uh, new uh, labels uh, that uh, hap- that uh, that are, happens to uh, like, for example, the Playhouse and uh, I don't know Sender or uh, the First Compacts, uh, and uh, there was also this French label called Carat, who uh, was uh, the French side of this kind of scene, you know. So yes it was uh, and there was after this uh, first time where there was slowly this uh, music coming from uh, electronic uh, electronic uh, uh, from the no wave scene i would say uh, uh, it was probably it was more open with this more industrial pioneer uh sound uh, there was uh, electronic music has always been or you go through mo- mostly f- to uh, uh, I don't know like disco music with all this uh, uh, Larry Heard and all this music which is amazing and uh, probably um, Pulp was more like this had probably this uh, industri- industrial more like electronic body music this in between music you know
0: it sounds quite similar so i guess some of the stuff that was going on in berlin at the time in my mind trying to compare it to you know scenes that i was sort of in and around in this kind of period and it does sound more like berlin than anything other anything else that i can think of
1: yes definitely exactly yeah exactly but actually there was uh, this uh, yes probably there was this cousin thing going on between france and uh, and germany and uh, actually the first uh, The first territory I I traveled after France was uh, Germany and I was traveling uh, a lot in Germany for a while, you know. And whenever I was traveling and I was meeting some other producers and other labels, but in person, other promoters, then this is how also I was happy to say, hey, I have a residency, it would be be great to, like, I would like to invite you. And, you know, somehow it also... It was great to make some parties and just make some exchange like this, you know. So there was this scene going on and this scene that was uh, growing. And uh, yeah, it was uh, fun. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, I mean, why, why did it finish in 2007?
1: Oh, it's very stupid. It's just because uh, there was some uh, big buildings uh, that were supposed to be done because they wanted to change the club. To, uh, into a parking for cars. <laughs> yes. I mean, not the owners, of course, but uh, the the state, uh, they had to take back uh, the place for this. So I remember like... They there was there were some trials, you know, and every time we thought it was the last time, and then oh no, it's fine. We can, we we can keep the place for six six months again. So there were some parties going on for six months again, and then okay, this night is the latest one. So there were a lot of last parties, but yes, 2017 was uh, the year where uh, Sarkozy was uh, elected president? The year I uh, had my first album released, and the year the club, the Pulp, closed. <laughs> there was a lot of things going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So okay, let's let's talk about that first album then. Now that we got here, what was um, what was the process of getting to a finished album like for you? Because I mean, this can be a um, a kind of psychologically important thing in the, the life of an artist, the first album. And it, I think some people tend to uh, sometimes overthink it. And then other people, it's just really easy because it's just all the music that you've been wanting to make. So what was what was your experience of uh, finishing a first album and, and making it?
1: Well, uh, actually, since uh, my first EP, which I released in 2001 on Karat, I... I Thought my first EP like uh, an album, like a small album, because as I was saying, I was this in between artist who was uh, going through like acoustic music and uh, loving a lot of style of music. So I had like kind of an idea of uh, what I wanted to make, without make being very precise. But what I knew is that I wanted to make music with diverse tempos, you know. So and uh, so I. It took me uh, a while, but somehow I made a, I was making a lot of music and then I was thinking, OK, this is for an EP. This is for an album. And, you know, so it was kind of a immersive as uh, artistic uh, experience that uh, I experimented from the very beginning of uh, my career. And, and I guess nowadays it's still for me important to make albums even it's weird a lot of things have changed and we're less in the world of uh albums we mostly it seems to be in the in the life of playlist uh on spotify and everything why not but i mean yeah i think somehow I, I needed to bring my singularity just for my personal uh um accomplishment somehow just to go through um And because I had, uh, as I was saying, I I like a lot. I'm very obsessed with diverse uh, musicians uh, like uh, also Brian Eno, Sid Barrett, both both of Canada, John Cage, but also some contemporary music. And I was, I like this challenge of thinking, okay, because I like all this what can, what can I do as a musician? You know, of uh, what can I make? How, what, what kind of music? I, I sometimes want, maybe I sometimes I have an approach that can be very complicated, but sometimes I like to have very, like very simple ideas and it's also helpful. I like this in between, you know, sometimes of uh, approach. Uh, it's a way of uh, going through all the different uh, mirrors of uh, mirrors of uh, of um yeah somehow
0: okay so in fact just going back to that first EP which label was that on
1: uh it's a French label that was called Carat.
0: uh all right yeah okay and how did you how did they I mean how did you get signed how how did that happen
1: well actually I had uh they had a record shop in Paris that was called Catapult and they were from uh Rouen which is a city uh uh, like two to one hour is 30 minutes from paris and when they arrived in paris and they opened the shop i remember they arrived at kind of that this real beginning of this sound i was talking about this more minimal sound the beginning of more like something different so for me this record shop symbolized these types of music and also symbolized another approach of electronic music that i really liked you know like it was not techno it was not house housey it was all this in between like it was they were bringing some a uh, lot of new material you know and it was really exciting and they had a little label so for me it was an easy way because i was knowing them it was an easy way to get signed on a label and they i really liked them as i mean personally and uh yes i remember uh we spoke about uh the music and the release. So at one point I gave them uh, some uh, demos and uh, this is how I got signed. Yes.
0: So was that a... um I've asked you the question before about how, you know, your confidence in your own music. So did you, did you feel like you were ready to, releasing, to release stuff or was is it something which you had to be, you know, persuaded?
1: Uh, <laughs> no, definitely. I was very, very shy. I mean, making music is something, but then when you, when you start, um, sh- make listen to your music to some people you don't know so well is, uh, is another process, <laughs> but i get, but but i was very really, very 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 i was not sure at all uh, on my music especially also because probably it was diverse tempos and everything i was like just okay here are some demos just listen to them and let just and then we see and they just liked all the music I, I and they they just said like you know what we want to release uh, an EP with uh, all this music you have on the on the demos you know like it so it was like i think it was four tracks and one track that is uh, very short but just because it was released on vinyls and on vinyls you, it's better to not put more than 20 minutes as you know so it was uh, yeah it it was one track was cut so but that's uh, yeah it was it was really um, I was really not confident with uh, with my music, and definitely when I listen to it today, I, I, I mean, of course, I, it's uh, 2001 and it's very new. It's it was very new for me, but I can hear the like uh, that it was very uh, uh, not very professional on the technical side. <laughs> I would say.
0: Right. Okay. I mean, like you, know, you mentioned um, the. The album format generally and how how it's developed in i guess the way people release music i mean you, you released an album this year as high season collaborative album um which is really great actually i was listening to it earlier oh, thank but, you but i mean do you has that yeah i mean it really is have you you know in the context of what you said before and this is actually something that we've talked on the show quite a lot about like does that change in the way in the kind of i guess expectations of you know people now like these days with regards to what you release and what formats things come out on like i mean were you hesitant to put out an album that album this year i mean would it made maybe well did you have the suspicion that it might have made sense to do like eps instead like what was um you know how has it affected the way you think about how you release your music
1: yes of course it's always uh, the big question like uh, what does it what's the uh, sense to make an album nowadays you know i mean uh, there are so many things going on and so many good music and bad music of course but so many things going on so how to exist in the middle of all this but i think the main my main goal was that okay I'm touring I'm 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 making music for like I'm making remixes, EPs, and everything. And then I have uh, this uh, uh, project we started with Ben Shemi, and uh, it was we started to make music actually uh, while there was COVID, and uh, no one could make, uh, we could not uh, tour and anything. So we started to make music and exchange ideas on the web. So it was just fun and just starting to make some things and try to be focused on something else and something new. So we didn't plan really to make an album but we just made music and it just happened to at the end we thought like okay we should make an album you know so it's uh yeah it's i I, i'm 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 very happy of course when the the this album was released but i'm very happy also with the process the way it was done and it was done with fun and and it was it was a second collaboration, but I mean, the first collaboration was that Ben he did a featuring on my album in two thousand six seventeen. But this was with a different approach because it was um, music we made together and it was just fun to see. We were very curious, the both of us, where it could go. So I I mean, whenever we were exchanging some files, it was just like surprising all the time in a good way to see what he would propose and how I would react on the music he sent me kind of a back to back when you're a DJ with someone, you know, so it's uh, interesting. So I, I try to always, of course, it's good to think about, okay, what's the electronic music world nowadays, but at the same time, I, still want to keep the vibe and keep the cool way of making music because this is why I make music otherwise I would be fed up in six months and make something else you know I can definitely make music if I'm not believing into into it so I I just need to yeah to take care of this you know still having fun with it so for me just releasing this album is just a it's it's this first collaboration, but it's a very just fun collaboration, you know. And it's uh, yeah, it creates something new, and it's create a yeah, it's, it's great to create fictions also, you know, just to create create something. Uh, it's between a uh, kind of we we kind of laugh sometimes because when we think about the music we did because it's not very it's not like with this club approach but it has something that has a disaster inside it also but and we we also (laughs) try to find this balance and it makes me laugh and this is just I, 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 I we just have had fun making it and I'm very happy about this that we can assume to release a project like this especially nowadays you know I just don't care honestly
0: (laughs) yeah yeah sure sure i mean you've done a fair bit of collaboration haven't you you've released more than one other i believe collaborative album so how do you um distinguish between and in terms of like you know your enjoyment and what you get out of making music like how do you distinguish between making music on your own and making music in, in collaboration because i mean with electronic stuff obviously you can just sit down and make a track on your own right which is different to you know playing in a band or whatever. So, Tell me about the differences. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it's um, yeah. It's uh, important for me to find this uh, good balance between uh, digging alone, my own music, and everything. But if honestly, if I was only focused on myself, which is great, thank you. <laughs> this is uh, great. But at, at, at one point, I, I find it boring. I mean, for me and even for the people. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of uh, like the, this to always. I'm always trying to find you know i think electronic music can be very like you can share kind of easily some uh, uh some uh, some folders some uh, stuff i mean uh, and you can be in the same room but not specially. you can ch- exchange you know so some somehow it's uh, first is a personal uh, approach you know it's like uh, you dig uh, you you have uh you meet someone who is uh, into music electronic music and you have a good feeling good approach you know so somehow the it's it's just a way of finding I mean I also make soundtracks for movie I'm DJing in clubs and i and performing concerts with my the marimba player Vasilena Serafimova we did a, um, a duo uh, album also and she's a marimba player like percussionist and she's great so I think it's it's very inspiring for me to find this good balance, but I'm not waiting really for more to come because I really need space too, you know, so it's really I I, I always stay aware with any new project that can inspire me. But I because it helps me to improve uh, myself somehow, Uh, but I'm also and then I'm happy to go back on my own music but um yeah I, I find there are like some very interesting things going on sometime when you go outside of of your field and especially for example if i make music for dance music for like for, i mean for dance companies i work uh i, I did like uh, three three shows for, with a um, um contemporary dancer called uh, choreographer sorry called Le uh, platec french choreographer and and uh, and I, and she asked me some music that I would not probably do alone, you know. She asked me some music, like for example, she she one of on her the piece. She said like, okay, I want I don't I don't know what's going to be the music, but I want it to be energetic, and I want 135 BPM. I would probably not do this tempo spontaneously. I mean, why not nowadays? But I like this kind of challenge. I find I find it uh, interesting on a compos- compositional level.
0: Okay, let me ask you another question about uh, modern, modern listening methods. So you've done work, I believe, with binaural audio and 3D. So I wanted to ask you about spatial audio, Dolby Atmos stuff and the Apple spatial mixing. Do you think, well, to what extent is this a gimmick? I'm tempted to be cynical about this stuff, but maybe you can argue me round. Like, what role does this play, do you think, from practical terms, in, in people actually listening to music?
1: Yes, that's a, that's a deep question. And at the same time, it can be very easy. I'm like, a bit like you. Uh, I mean, I, I started to work on binaural sound like many, many years ago because I got contacted by the National French Radio who was working on this. I know that in London... In, there was the BBC working in advance on binaural sound and it was a very big thing, but in France it was quite new and very small and, but it, I knew they were like in contact with the BBC working on this binaural sound uh, uh, process. And so uh, I've, i I just got contacted to try to see how, and, and to see how the music can be inspiring for a musician and, the, the idea was to think about like okay make a music with binaural sound which is a 360 degree sound uh, on the, with the uh, with a headphone uh, how can it uh, provoke something different in your creative process so I think I, I think the idea can be interesting because for example when there was some uh, at the beginning of music everything was in mono and then it became uh, in stereo and now we're talking about binaural sound and when you make mono sound probably stereo help to build some other fields and other spaces and probably binaural sound can be also very interesting to build different uh, level of uh, of uh, process and everything but I have to say I was so I, I did uh, some music that I started in the national uh, French radio and I started to make music for uh, one or two tracks like this with a, with some uh, multi uh, diffus- diffusion uh, and uh, it was uh, very interesting and I really liked it. But after this, you know, after years of uh, doing this, uh, when I started to build my life, you know, uh, I I had a reaction. <laughs> Uh, totally uh, different that uh, I, I realized that I wanted to make a life without computer like I just, I just got back to an MPC 1000 and just gears and, and like I, the more I was going into it and the more I wanted to make a live in mono you know? <laughs> so it was uh Yeah. I, right. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I I find it really interesting but at one point it's just like uh I, I it's good to know that it exists, but at one point uh, uh I mean sometimes I'm I I just want to be a little bit more direct, you know. I just want to go and just make music and just forget all this uh feels idea and everything. So it's very interesting and it gives a lot of depth, I I I think, but I think there are also some amazing productions just in mono. <laughs> That's what my that's I don't know what to say more. You know, it's just my answer. Like,
0: did you do uh, spatial mixes for the new album?
1: We did a stereo mix, just a mixing. But the funny thing is that uh, the album starts with the first track uh, called uh, Mono, and actually, <laughs> and exactly because this is answer the answer of what I was just saying is that is we pretending that we are in the binaural sound uh, uh, mix. But actually, it's only in mono, and we say uh, that uh, this uh, th- this is why we 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 seem very concerned about it. But we make kind of a joke about it, you know. It's just a silly thing, but that's very stupid, I know. But it was this kind of uh, very short um, interlude that we did and that we kept at the end, you know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it it's a how do you say homage it's a homage at the uh, binoral sound
0: <laughs> I mean do you think anyone listens to special audio mixes
1: I think there are some people that are, that are very curious about it but the point is that with the binaral sound you can only listen with uh, with headphones so I mean I'm sure I mean I know that, then, that now with Atmos uh, things are getting more like a uh, the production, the the production and the um, the mixi- mixing are getting uh, are slowly changing and everything. But we don't know how long it's gonna change. Uh, when uh, are we going into something that is going to really change, like generally, or is it just like okay, there was this binaural sound, now there's Atmos. What's going to happen, like in three months or in six months? It's always about this, you know, like we used to have cassette, then we have CDs, then we have, uh, we used to have vinyls and now we're only digital. And are we going back to cassette? Are we going back to CDs? Are we going on something new? I don't know, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's going to be a a general, a generalization, you know. I remember when I, when I, I, I mean, I was DJing with vinyls for years and I was, I didn't want to change and change it to digital for many years. But the fact was that in the clubs, they were changing all the system anyway. So I had to change my setup, you know? And even when I was buying some records or if I, I was receiving more like a digital format music. So the fact was that the system was changing. So I was not going to be the only stupid person just playing vinyls just because I said, I'm going to play vinyls, you know? And of course I love vinyls, but I mean, come on, nowadays it's so expensive. I, I, I mean, it, I love vinyls still. I have all my collection and I still love it, but I definitely can't buy vinyls as I used to buy vinyls anymore you know that's the problem but the system is changing and i'm probably i mean especially when you're on the, like in the electronic music you have to, for sure you have to stay aware with all this and i find it's very interesting then it doesn't mean i'm going to go into it but except that the system will change completely but i stay aware and i'm always interested in what is going on
0: Yeah, okay. Well, then, a related question to that, I guess, is um, do you take a view on the use of AI in music making? The point
1: is that, uh, you know, well, why first. I, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm just, while there was COVID, you know, there was an ex, there was all these experiments about, uh, uh, these parties going on in, uh, on the, um, on, on the internet and everything. And actually, after this, we realized that people really want to have, uh, a party and leave the party, be in the party. So I guess, the people want to have a human being and playing their music and be in the same room all together and this cannot be transformed by uh, uh, artificial intelligence. you know I mean for sure it's like probably it's like uh, binaural sounds uh, somehow it's like interesting to see what is going on and sometimes I guess there are probably some very interesting things going on but at the end i think the people they want some human being playing their own music you know i mean i would i would uh, probably be <laughs> probably in a few years uh, DJs won't exist anymore you know i don't know or maybe sooner than than, than weeks we think <laughs> but and probably uh, they'll, they they will be some parties where uh, i will have uh, people proposing me to make parties but staying at home and being a hologram or something i don't know why not making the experiment? I don't know. But at the end, I know I want to leave the experience with some people. It's it's a collaborative uh, experience. And the collaborative experience, you cannot leave it with uh, all this uh, uh, artificial uh, thing, you know. But there are some very interesting things that are very interesting too. But, you know, it's like for me, like, when you... Uh, it can be very creative too and very interesting and sometimes it's a bit scary for sure and I'm, I'm aware but i'm not so much interested by all this you know but there are very there are some very creative things that are makes me think okay where, where what what where is the creation who it's as i was studying law you know of course my first question would be okay what about who does the who does it belong first who does this creative thing belongs to you know who does it belong? And at the moment, there's a lot of uh, not answering question about this because it's still uh, moving all the time, you know. So law cannot follow, and it's just this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the um, like the collection of data and you know what large language models and what other models are, are trained from. That's a really big question, right? Because I mean, like you say, like if, if it's intellectual property, which is being scraped as it were, then there's there's real issues there. I guess I kinda of take the view that the more vulnerable part of the music industry is probably the making of music rather than the performing of it. Like I mean absolutely there will be an AI DJ for sure. But I think as it becomes more prevalent in different areas of the arts and in society generally i think what may happen is that people attach more value to people doing stuff in the real world and and i think the performance of music is is likely to um i guess retain more of its value in that kind of context perhaps Mm, but i mean
1: completely yeah yeah you're right Mm, totally but i mean
0: like every possible outcome is is possible right at this point you know it's just um it's very unclear i think how it will develop well this has been this has been really great chloe thanks so much i've just got one more question and it's a really geeky one i read that you like your vintage reverbs so give me a few of your favorite vintage reverbs
1: Well, you know, as I as a, as I come from uh, more like the acoustic side for sure. I like to have uh, like gears that I can touch or definitely there are some uh, uh there are some stuff that I like to have from my guitar, you know. So it's can be very basic sometimes, but uh my preference goes to one that is very very nice that is comes from a French company called Otto maybe you know it uh auto uh, they make uh, small little uh pedals and they make like compressor they make delay and they have like one or two gears besides this but that's it it's a very small company but it's just amazing and they have a they have this reverb it's called the bam b-a-m and it's a stereo stereo reverb processor and it's inspired by the 70s early 80s uh but digital reverberator, you know, it's like this in between. Um, and otherwise, uh, there's also this, uh, typical, uh, echo, uh, spring, uh, reverb. Uh, but I, I actually now there are so many uh, reverb that I use in plugins, honestly. So <laughs> I used to have uh, so <laughs> much, uh, I used to have uh, so much, uh, like, uh, Reverbs uh, that na- that are sold, you know, and um, also because I, I got uh, rubber like very long time ago, but uh, there are there are a lot of uh, digital reverb that are very fascinating that are really like amazing, you know. But uh,
0: yes, yeah. All right, well, then, what's your favorite plugin then? What's the what's the best reverb plugin in your opinion? Uh,
1: at the moment, I'm using a lot uh, the um, Sound Toys. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sound sound is the Echo Boy. by yes. the sound, by sound and toys, they, right? they they make yeah, a lot yeah, yeah.
1: of uh, they they make a lot of little. I think this is one of the most interesting plugins of the latest uh, times. You know, because they make a lot of very creative process uh, effects, like Decapitator, or they make they have this kind of reverb like little plate, but they also have uh, all these uh, little effects on, as I was saying, Echo Boys. And uh, very nice presets that you can change, of course. But that are very amazing. But also the filter freak—they uh, have this micro-shift micro uh, uh, thing that is very nice. That is close to a chorus and uh, very interesting. But also the tremolator is very like fascinating because it split like the sound in some effects that uh, in in the rhythm. So it makes a very cool. Uh, Yes, very creative uh, process uh, effects that goes a bit like this. This effect that is more like uh, that helps you build the material and some textures that helps you to go in some extreme transformation and build some new landscapes that are very like... uh, Kind of invisible, but sometimes very obvious. You know, you can go very, very deep in the special, uh, special uh, specialization. If you, if we speak about uh, binaural, <laughs> in only in stereo, that it can help you to build these uh, stereo fields. Yeah, very deeply.
0: Mm. Cool. Like I said, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time, Chloe. Wow.
1: Well, thank you so much, Paul.
0: Yeah, that was Chloe Teveran. What an interesting person. I really enjoyed hearing those stories about Paris and the club scene in Paris. Something we haven't really talked about too much on the show to date. So yeah, it was really good to get some detail about Paris in the nineties and also in the two thousands as well. The parallels with between what they were doing at Le Palpe and other nights there. Uh, the parallels between that and Berlin was really quite striking. I wish I'd been able to go to some of those nights, actually. I just didn't really spend any time in Paris at all during that kind of a period. Like The the first really good night that I played in Paris was Concrete, which was just brilliant. And I'm hoping to have uh, Brice, who was the main guy at that night. I'm hoping to have him on the show at some point. In fact, I've asked him before and he wasn't that keen. But I'm going to try again at some stage, I think. So, yeah, really good one this week. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Okay, mentioned at the top you can support us on patreon so please do that if you can if you feel the need if you feel inclined patreon.com slash scuba official would be very very grateful follow the spotify playlists the link in the show notes that playlist lots of chloe's music in there this week and join us on the discord hotflushrecordings.com slash discord right as i mentioned at the top i've got a bit of a sore head so i'm going to love you and leave you i will see you back here same time same place next week for the next episode of the not a diving podcast thank you
1: not a diving podcast, but school wow.
0: Planning for your next trip?